Well, God is good, hasn't He? Been doing some awesome things over these last few days. Thursday night, yesterday and today. And, uh, you know, I believe that God really wants to do something amazing in this meeting tonight as well. I really do. This has just been building, building, building. And I uh, was thinking about this uh, Dare to Dream today, just the title or the theme of our conference. And I think it's a supernatural thing. I don't think it's just a natural thing. I think it's a supernatural thing because it's challenging us and pushing us to a place where we're beginning to dream again and to dream big. I love one of the little sayings that's come through one of the sessions, which is don't dream too small, dream big. And so I think God wants to deposit in our heart tonight to encourage us and to stretch us and to make us look at our lives and what we're doing right now and to think about what that could look like in two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years even, that God wants you to dream. So right now, why don't we all just stand to our feet just for a minute and we're gonna operate in our prayer language and we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit just to come and to breathe something supernatural and fresh into us right now. Let's just all lift our hands right now. Let's become a receptor. Let's become a receiver. I has not seen, ears not heard, the heart is not imagined of what God is able to do for you and in your life. God was wanting to say to you, that which you dream about, that which you think about, that which you pray over in the secret place is the thing where God is going to stir that and grow that. And that which you pray for in secret, God is going to reveal outwardly where people will be able to see it. it may not be today or tomorrow might be in years to come, but God is going to cause you to dream afresh. God is going to cause you to see things afresh. He's going to open your eyes to be able to see what you've never seen before. In fact, I see someone here, you're drawing a plan. You're drawing a plan. And as you're drawing the plan, I'm not sure, it could be church, could be business, could be a house. And it's like, while you're drawing it, God just says, just screw that piece of paper up and throw it in the bin. Because I want you to draw my dream for a house, for a building, for a property for you right now. And I'm about to show you what I want to do. And as you are committing pen to paper and as you're drawing that, God is going to just show you what to do. And you're going to be amazed. You're going to say, well, that's a bit outlandish. That's a bit big. That's different. That's, wow, that's amazing. But that's because that's God's dream and He wants to expand and grow your thinking. He wants to expand and grow your eyes and allow them to be open to see something bigger and far greater than you could have even imagined possible. And God's going to resource that too. You're going to say, how could that take place? How could we pay for that? How could we do that? Because vision brings provision and God is going to bring the provision that you need to build the building and the house that you need to build. That's from the Lord. Lord Jesus, we just thank You even right now, Father, that You are the God who is the God of the supernatural. And we give You praise and we give You thanks in Your precious and Your wonderful Name. Amen. Amen. Take your seats, please. Was it? Amen. Amen. Thank you. I might need some water. You know, if you drive all over the city of Adelaide, you'll see some amazing buildings. Every one of those buildings was someone's dream at one stage. They built that as a result of dreaming about something. 
It might have been the university buildings. It might have been Parliament House. It might be Government House. It might be a beautiful home just down the street here somewhere. But every one of those buildings was someone's dream at one stage. Someone sat down and began to think about if I could build a home for myself or I could build a public building or I could build an institution or an education facility or an airport or whatever, I would love to build this. And they began to commit themselves to drawing it and to outlining it. And you know, everywhere you go across the city of Adelaide, there's parks, there's buildings, etc., that were built where who were someone, it's a result of someone's dream, right? And you know, God too had a dream for the city of Adelaide. I was thinking about this. You know, if you go to North Adelaide, you go to Montefiore Hill, I think so, Montefiore Hill. I'm still not sure how you pronounce that. But you'll see a statue of someone and his name is Colonel William Light. Colonel William Light is there and he's overlooking (coughs) the football oval, the home of the amazing Port Power football team. (laughs) You shall receive power. That's why you should vote for Port Power, by the way. (laughs) That was bad. Oldest football club in the nation, by the way, I'll just add. So <laughs> it's older than Victorian clubs. Sorry about Victoria. <laughs> but it's true. The Port Adelaide Football Club is the oldest football club in Australia. So there is Colonel William Light, and he is there pointing over the city of Adelaide, and it's called Light's Vision. Colonel William Light had a vision. Colonel William Light had a plan. He drew all the streets up in a grid pattern, planned a park one mile wide around the whole, the city was one mile square and then there was parks all around it. He had a vision and he had a plan for this city. And if you go to the Mortlock Library in the city, in the education building, library, yep, you see there's a whole section in there that talks about the religious history of South Australia. And it's worth a journey to go in there and read it. Because you'll see, even though that Colonel William Light was a born again Christian and he had plans to lay out this city, the fathers, the religious fathers, the church fathers of our city had a vision for our city as well. And that was to have churches everywhere. And if you look in the history of South Australia, you will see that at the turn of the century, I'm talking 100 years ago, there were like, I think about 80 something percent, we were talking about the other day, 90 plus percent, thank you, 90 plus percent of South Australians went to church. 90 90 plus percent. When Lydia and I went to uh, London two years ago, we went to see a painting in St. Paul's Cathedral. Thank you, honey. I'm having a few mental blocks here. (laughs) St. Paul's Cathedral. Lord, we just rebuke the devil right now so I can think clearly. St. Paul's Cathedral, and in St. Paul's Cathedral is a painting, and it's called The Light of the World. It's a famous painting, and it's a painting of Jesus, and it's the painting where Jesus is standing at a door, and it's, you know, where, and it's taken from the Scripture in the book of Revelation, which says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? So this picture 
Jesus there, He's got the lamp, the door's there, it's got no handle on it. It's all overgrown with uh, uh, vine. It's got rotting fruit at the bottom of the door because the door's not been opened for a long time. And Jesus is standing there knocking at the door. And we often say, you know, people, God is knocking at the door of your heart. Open your door and receive Him now. That's where we get all that concept and that idea from, is from the book of Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right. So Lydia and I went and saw this painting. What was amazing, we're standing there and everyone's sort of looking at it and they're all just calmly looking and Lydia and I standing there. We're just weeping, crying, seeing Jesus standing there at the door and knock. The amazing thing was I read the history of this painting and in 1915, just prior to World War I, this painting was sent on a tour around the globe and it came to Australia and it went to every major city in Australia. The painting called The Light of the World and it says it there that over 80% of this population of Australia made a journey to an art gallery to see that painting, The Light of the World. That is our history. That is what has been laid down as a foundation. And I want to say today that God Almighty Himself has a vision and a plan for this city here. He's looking for a people. He's looking for a church. He's looking for people that will say, hey, here I am. I'll stand in the gap. I'll pray. I'll call out to you. I will seek you. I'll call upon your name. I will pray and I will just keep at it, God. And I will keep laying hold of you until I see you move. Because God, this is not about me. This is about people finding you, people being born again, people being drawn into the kingdom. Who would love to go and see a painting in an art gallery and look behind you and you see 80% of the rest of the population of Adelaide there having a look? This, I believe God has a vision for our church. And our church, you know, we are a great church. It's fantastic. We're loving it here. Lydia and I are probably some of the newest members here in this church. And we're still adjusting to the culture. (laughs) But you know what? We've still got, we have all got something in common. And it's this, a desire to see people born again a desire to see people saved, a desire to see people come into the kingdom, a desire to see people be made disciples, a desire to see people's lives changed and turned around, to see people come in the door and and for us to go outside the door and begin to share our faith, share what we believe in and to lead people to know Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I don't know what your vision is for this church, but I just want to say to you, enlarge it because it may be too small. Enlarge your vision, enlarge your vision, enlarge your vision and begin to see things bigger, 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 larger. We serve a tiny God. (laughs) Did you catch that? No, we serve a big God. We serve an amazing God. We serve a God who's generous. We serve a God who's giving. We serve a God who is the one who does exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or we think. It's not what we think, it's what does God think? What does God think? Well, I think God thinks that He wants to do something pretty amazing. Sorry if I'm a bit of a spokesperson on behalf of God tonight. But I look at the Word of God and I look at the fact that we're living in the last days. I I look at the fact of everything that's happened with COVID. Um, You know, you can say whatever you like, whether it was invented or whether it was just a, a, a 
an animal-born disease that jumped across to humans. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's affected the, the earth in the same way. Mass people control through fear. All right? And, you know, if you look and you read the, the New Testament, you'll see that God is saying in the last days there'll be pestilences, there'll be diseases, there'll be famines, there'll be earthquakes. I'm not here to preach about end times tonight, but I want to say to you, those things are all on the increase. And we're seeing stuff happen in our lifetime that shows us we are living in the last days. So in the last days, as Pastor Jimmy preached today, just fantastic. In the last days, God is going to pour out or His uh, Spirit on all flesh. We're moving into, the, we are in the end times and we're moving in the last days. So I would say to you, put your hand up, open up your heart and say, God, I want to see you move. I want to see supernaturally you touch people. I want to see you do things that only you can do because you are an awesome God. You're a mighty God. You're an amazing God and you're a God who wants to move and turn the church inside, outside, upside down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen? God is good. Why don't you open your Bibles? I better mention the Bible. I better at least use one or two or three Scriptures. <laughs> open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. I want to talk about and look at the person of Joseph tonight. Because Joseph was a young man in a family of several brothers and God gave him a dream. God appeared to Joseph in a dream and he had a dream. And in this dream, he saw a couple of things. He saw his uh, the sheaves of wheat and he saw that all these sheaves of wheat were bowing down to him. He saw the sun and the moon, which was representing of his parents, bowing down to him. So he had a supernatural dream given to him at a young age. And I want to talk tonight about what happens when God gives us a dream. And sometimes God gives you a supernatural dream like that. And sometimes dreams just in, unfold in our life naturally. And like God speaks to us and we receive from Him instruction and direction. And He makes it clear that this is what He wants to do with our life. Or this is what He wants us to be involved in. Uh, or this is what He wants to achieve through us. You know, I have a friend here in Adelaide and he's in his 70s now. Um, he had a dream to be a successful businessman, entrepreneur for the purposes of the Kingdom of God. And I was his pastor, a, reg a regional pastor, and he owned four McDonald's. <laughs> All right. And I remember the first time I went to see him, he said, Keith, why are you here? You want free food. <laughs> I said, no, my name's Keith, not Brendan. <laughs> I couldn't resist that. So anyway, he was a draftsman working in Victoria and he wanted to become a businessman and he wanted to do things for, with finance for the purposes of the kingdom. So he went on a training course, got his own first McDonald's store at Felixstowe, just down the road here. Then he got the Collinswood store. Then he had 
the Tea Tree Plaza store. And then he had the one in the food court as well. And sorry, he had five McDonald's in the end. And then he had the Gillis Plains McDonald's, which is a certain person in this room's favourite place. <laughs> now, he wanted to become a businessman because what he did, he saw in church life that there was a lot of things that needed to be done and it needed to be financed. And he said, God, I can't be a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I just want to serve you. God, what can I do? And God spoke to him. And so he saw the golden arches in a dream. No, not really. (laughs) He saw the opportunity to pick up and run a McDonald's store, which he did. And he ended up with five McDonald's stores, which was fantastic because I used to go and see him and uh, visit him. And he'd always be bringing all this food out for me, which was great. And I said, Chris, I'm not actually here to eat your food. I said, I'm actually here because we love you and we care about you. So I'm the shepherd of the church. And that's what we did. And we just kept loving him. And, you know, I still run into him occasionally. He's in another church and I run into him at different things. He always comes up and says hello to me and stuff like that. He's a man of great compassion. He's now sold all his McDonald's stores and he now runs the Ronald McDonald House which is just amazing. Yeah, compassion for children with cancer. But that is him. He had a desire to want to serve God and do things for God. So today I want to encourage you, whatever your desire is, whatever your vision is, think big. Think, God, what could I do? How could you expand me and grow me to see things happen for the purposes of the kingdom? I know another young lady. She was a pharmacist. Uh, She was an Indian lady. And she had a desire to uh, the same thing, very involved in the church, had a real passion about missions. She was working as a pharmacist and she had this dream she would have her own pharmacy one day. Well, that happened. Through a set of circumstances, the people that owned the pharmacies, they said, we want to sell you a pharmacy. She bought the pharmacy, she bought another one, she bought another one and in the end she owned four pharmacies. All right? She sold her pharmacy's rumour for about $7 million. Yeah, and that all came out of a desire and a dream to want to serve God and be able to fund missions and things like that. So it doesn't matter what your vision or what your dream is, think big. Think about what God can do. Let's have a look at Genesis chapter 37. In this story, we see how Joseph had a dream. And he had this dream and he shared this dream with his brothers and his father and his mother and they took all those things to heart. But it caused some problems in Joseph's family as well because Joseph was like the favoured child. In fact, his dad made for him a multi-coloured coat. Just like Stephanie's got a multi-coloured coat. (laughs) I noticed on her today. But I don't think you're the favoured child, Stephanie. I'm not sure. Sorry, I have good jokes with Stephanie and Daphne and Nick. Um, but he was a favoured child. And what happened is that Joseph had this dream. And I want to talk about some things that happen when you have a dream. Because we're going to live through some of this. You know, I've had dreams in my life where I've wanted to see, you know, a church grow to a thousand people. I was involved in a church. It grew to a thousand people. You know, when I was a part of Paradise, I had a dream that my region would grow to 700 people. It grew to 700 people. When I was in Roxby Downs, I had a dream that my church would grow to 100 people. We never got there. <laughs> but when I did leave, there was a good lot of money in the bank and they were able to purchase property, which they own, which is good, a house. So, you know, have dreams. Have dreams and believe God. So Joseph had a dream. He sold, he shared his dream with his brothers. 
And then what happened one day when his brothers were off uh, shepherding the sheep and his father said, can you go and check on your brothers, see where they are? So Joseph went off to check on his brothers and they saw him in the distance and they said, here comes this dreamer because they were jealous of him. In fact, the jealousy got to the point where they wanted to kill him. And uh, as he came along, they threw around different plans and then someone said, uh, the oldest brother, Reuben says, no, we shouldn't kill him. Let's not do that. Let's put him in this pit and work out what we're going to do. And there was a whole lot of going on with the brothers talking about what they're going to do with Joseph. And eventually they sold him as a slave. And they took his tunic and they killed an animal and they put blood all over it and they took it home and they said to the father, look, here, your, uh, your, 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 your precious son Joseph has been murdered and ki- or killed by an animal. And so there was a lot of grieving and everything that happened in the family. But Joseph was sold as a slave. You know, in your life, when God reveals something to you or gives you a dream, there's some things that are going to happen. And I'm going to give them to you. They are four R's. First, there's the revelation or there's the insight. God shows you things. There's like the light comes on, there's illumination. It might be a strong desire and you begin to think about your dream and if you're smart, you write it all down. I loved what um, Gary Morgan said today, thank you. Gary Morgan said today, he said, have a piece of paper handy and write things down. Over the years, I've learnt that. Write your dream down. Write down the things that God is saying to you. So important. So write your dream down. Plan it out, write it, have it there. Every so often, pull it out, pray over it, think about it. And God over the years will confirm that dream and breathe life into that dream for you. And who knows what you'll see happen as you surrender that dream to God. On the way though, there's gonna be the revealing of the dream, but then there's gonna be reversal. Sometimes things go in a totally different direction. It's like God says, here's the dream, this is what's going to happen in your life. And all of a sudden there's a reverse where everything seems to be going in the opposite direction. And that's what happened for Joseph. All of a sudden he found himself sold as a slave and sent off to Egypt. There's going to come things that will attack your dream that you have in your life. There's dream killers and I've written them down. And first of all, There can be negative people that will say, that dream's never going to happen. You you are fantasising. That's not going to happen for you. Your circumstances, you're the wrong uh, economics. You've got the wrong economic background or you've got the wrong racial background. You've got this against you, etc., etc., etc. There's always going to be naysayers of people that will try and kill your dream through confession. Don't let them. Hold on to your dream. Confess positively about it and confess positively uh, about it in your prayer room. There is power in declaration. When the anointing of God comes upon you and you begin to prophesy and you begin to uh, declare, things happen in a spiritual atmosphere. Things are happening in a spiritual realm that you can't see happening, but they are happening. So you're going to have people speak negatively. Joseph got sold as a slave. You know, he had this big dream that people were going to bow down to him and work for him. Now he's working for someone else. I want to say to you, in the process of you seeing your dream fulfilled, you you probably, most definitely have to serve someone else's dream, right? And God's going to see how faithful you are at serving someone else's dream 
Because that's all part of the test. Why God causes things to go in reverse? Because He's beginning to build character in you. And He's beginning to work through removing sin out of your life and bring about godliness and righteousness into your life. So first of all, there are people that try and kill your dream through negativity. Some, you, secondly, you're going to have to serve someone else's dream and you're going to think nothing's going on. The third thing that could happen to you when you're serving your dream, something extremely bad could happen and go wrong. And that happened for Joseph. Potiphar's wife saw Joseph one day he, and ordered all the other people out of the house so she could be with him alone because she wanted to lie with him, the Bible says, or to have a sexual relationship with, jo- with Joseph. But Joseph wasn't in it. And Joseph was so keen to get away from her, he left his robe and he fled out and took off out of the house. All right? There's thoughts that he ran out naked. All right? So Joseph was falsely accused. He was falsely accused of rape and sexual abuse. That's pretty heavy going. All right? And as a result of it, when Potiphar's husband came home, he hit the roof. All right? But I think Potiphar knew a little bit more about Joseph and his wife than the Scriptures let on because they don't put him to death because that was the penalty in that day and age. But instead, Potiphar had arranged and put Joseph in a prison, in a dungeon. And Joseph was in there now. He's in a place where he's restricted. Um, He would have felt trapped. He would have thought, what's going on with my life? I can't seem to get ahead. Everything seems to be going wrong for me. Um, And here I am locked up in this prison. Nobody sees me. I'm hidden. You know, you go through life serving God and doing what you're doing and sometimes you think you're hidden. Nobody notices me. Nobody sees me. I want to encourage you today. God sees. God knows. God sees everything that's going on in your life. And He'll use whatever circumstances happen to you in your life to uh, help bring sin out of your life and to grow character in your life. That's what God is going to do. And in fact, I've got three uh, Ps for that. Actually, four Ps. So we've got revelation, reversal, and then God brings us to the refining process. And in under refining process, we've got four Ps. There's purging, purifying, pruning and preparation. Who knows what purging is? Anyone? Pardon? Purging. Yes, vomiting is one definition of purging. It's getting rid of the sickness and the disease and what makes you feel ill. But purging also is a term they use um, in some sort of chemical processes and it means to get out the impurities, to pull out what's not wanted and what is not needed. So you've got a more pure product. The same with purifying. You know, I worked in the industry with gold and we used to purify the gold and how that happens is you turn the heat up. Who's ever felt like they're under a lot of pressure and there's a lot of heat on them? All right. And what happens when there's a lot of heat and a lot of pressure on you? All the bad stuff rises to the surface. And when you're refining gold, and I've seen this because I've actually done it, you boil, you heat the gold up so much that it's liquid and you can look in the gold and you can actually see your reflection. All right. Because it's you've removed the purities. God does the same thing with us. He turns the heat up on our lives sometimes and the pressures because we are as fine gold, precious stones and He wants to see His reflection in us. So sometimes He'll turn the heat up in our life but it's for a good reason. So there's going to be purging, purifying and the last one, um, second to last one, pruning. 
pruning. That sounds like a wonderful process. Who's got roses or vines? I prune our rose bush every year and my wife complains because I just chop the thing right off. It's just, <laughs> it's like two stumps. But every year, I might say, we get three lots of incredible white blooms. This thing comes up really huge and we get beautiful flowers. But if I didn't prune that rose, we wouldn't get those flowers like that and we wouldn't get those blooms. And in fact, if you go to the Bible, John chapter 15, verse 2, there's a verse about pruning, which is absolutely a wonderful verse. And it says, have we got it on the screen, John 15, 2? Maybe not. But I'll read it to you. It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, who feels like they bear some fruit? Yeah, a few hands. We are fruit-bearing people. He ta- in every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit or much fruit. If, when we first come to God, we're anything but a fully laden fruit tree. But as time goes on, God prunes us, trims us, and then we bear fruit. And then he prunes us again and we bear more fruit. I remember saying to a friend of mine years ago, I was going through this really hard time in a particular church I was working in and all the stuff was going on. And I said to my mate, man, I just feel like resigning and walking away. And God spoke to me through this passage and said, I'm pruning you. And my mate said to me, he said, if God's pruning you, it's because he's got some bigger thing prepared for you. He's getting you prepared to bear more fruit. And I said, yeah, thank you for that. That's wonderful. I'll live through this and I'll stick at it. And I did. And I grew and I got pruned and I got better and better and I grew and I bore more fruit. So God is going to take you through those things. He's going to take you through purging, purifying, pruning and then He brings you to the place of preparation. He's prepared you and He's made you ready because He's going to reveal you. So we've got the four R's which are revelation, reversal, refining and now comes the revealing. The revealing of the dream. So Joseph is in prison and he's in there and he's feeling trapped, feeling hidden, feel like everything's gone wrong for him. Doesn't know what's really going on. But the baker and the butler, wine taster, that's the word, Whatever they did, Pharaoh got very angry with them and sent them off to prison. All right. So while they're in prison, they're with Joseph now. And Joseph has his gift. And the gift that Joseph has on his life is the ability to understand dreams and to interpret them. So he sees these two men and he sees their countenance is really down. He sees they're broken. And he says to them one morning, he says, why are you so sad? And they said, well, Pharaoh's very angry with us because of this, this, this and this. And now we're in here. And what happens is Joseph says to them, he said, tell me the dream because God you know, is the one who interprets dreams and I'll interpret your dreams. So Joseph interprets the dreams for the baker and the wine cupbearer. That's the word. The baker and the cupbearer. And they say, thank you. They go off and see Pharaoh. The dream basically was that the baker would be killed and put to death and the cupbearer would live and stay working. 
And that's exactly what happened. So Joseph interpreted the dream. And Joseph said too, while he was there, he said, please remember me to Pharaoh because I shouldn't be here. In other words, Joseph is saying, I've been unjustly treated. I've been um, a victim of lies and accusations and a whole lot of things and I'm in this prison and I shouldn't be here. And they say, yep, okay. I can imagine one of them say, yeah, don't worry, we won't forget you. Two years go by. (laughs) They completely forget about him. He's left in there. And then eventually Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh tells the cupbearer the dream. The cupbearer says, I know a man. I know a man who can interpret dreams. I know a man who is... Uh, has a God whose hand is on his life and we've been able to see it and he does supernatural things. Amazing. In fact, it says there, if you read Genesis, it says, and God was with Joseph. All the time that Joseph went through everything he did, God was with him. So whatever you're going through in life right now, don't worry, God is still with you. It might seem like it's negative. It might seem like it's gone in reversal. But there's going to come the revelation after the refining. God is going to reveal you. So then Joseph now finds himself standing before Pharaoh. And Joseph's language is very interesting when you read it because he doesn't talk about himself so much, but he talks about this great and amazing God who will interpret the dream and give wisdom to be able to what to do with it. And so Joseph hears Pharaoh's dream. He interprets the dream and the Pharaoh says, wow, this is amazing. You know what? We need someone that can run the whole nation and manage this thing, this incredible seven years of great blessing for, before we get the seven years of great doubt, great drought. And Joseph now finds himself working as number two in the nation of Egypt. And he's there. This is a process that takes about 17 to 20 years. And he is now the ruler of Egypt, so to speak. In fact, he runs everything. And Joseph is there serving Pharaoh, but really he's serving God. Wherever you're serving, you might think, I'm just serving my accounting company. I'm just serving my boss. I'm just serving the the medical profession or I'm serving in the education. You are serving God. Whatever you're learning and whatever is happening to you in your place of service right now, you're serving God. And God is your employer too. You know, sometimes you look at, you know, what's going to happen with COVID? I'm going to lose my job. Is this going to happen? You've got to learn that God is actually your provider and God is your employer and God will look after you and God will guide you through. And we've heard many testimonies in this church that during COVID, people have actually been very financially blessed. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing because God is doing something. By the way, you know, we're buying a building here and I want to say to you, be a conduit for God's blessing. Just, just say, God, if you can get it through me, get it to me. I'll give it. 
whatever. You know, have a pledge, believe, have a dream. Create an amount that you say, God, this is impossible. This is a stretch for me. But by faith, I'm going to believe that you're going to provide supernaturally and we're going to be able to sow and give that money. Because that's what God does. He will bless the people of God to bring provision to the vision of God. And if you're wanting, to, you know, to buy a building, pay for a building, anything to do with buildings, God, you know, all the money, guess where it is? It's in your bank account and in your pocket. <laughs> or it's in someone else's bank account and someone else's pocket and they're going to give it to you and you're going to give it to God. So you can be a channel and you can exercise faith and you can help fulfil the dream of what God is wanting to do here at Hope Church. Amen. Joseph, time goes on. Seven years of great blessing and prosperity. Joseph manages it all. By the way, he double he doubles the amount of grain put aside. So he doesn't put 10% aside. He puts 20% aside. Like he double ties on all the grain for seven years. It's very interesting. Seven years of plenty. Then seven years of famine came. And into that time of the famine, back in Israel is his dad and all his brothers. And it gets to the point where the brothers now are standing around or sitting around looking at each other. And the father says, don't sit there looking at each other. Go off to Egypt and buy some grain. So the the brothers are all sent off to Egypt. I find that very interesting that all 10 of them were sent. I thought, this guy's already lost one son. Why does he send all 10? Why doesn't he just send three or four or five? But I absolutely believe God had a plan because those 10 brothers had a a date with destiny. They had a date to be confronted by their brother. They had a date to be brought to a place of repentance. And so the whole 10 brothers turn up in Egypt. Of course, they don't recognise Joseph. They don't even think he's alive probably. And they come and they bow down to him. And the Bible says this, Joseph remembered his dream. Joseph remembered his dream. I encourage people to have dreams and to write them down. Things that they think about they want to do in life. Things about, you know, goals, plans. Because what will happen is God will breathe life into you. Something in the spirit and you will write those things down. And you might forget about them. But I want to tell you something. God doesn't forget about the dream. You might forget about the dream, but God doesn't. And Joseph forgot about his dream, I think. And when the brothers came and bowed down, it says, Joseph remembered his dream. God never forgot the dream that he gave to Joseph ever. And now is bringing it to pass. So through that, all the brothers come. There's a lot of goings on in there with the brothers being tested by Joseph to do with the grain, to do with money, to do with who's going to be kept there as a ransom. It's good to see like Judah, who's the one that comes up with the idea of selling Joseph as a brother, selling the brother Joseph to a slave. He's the one who says, no, don't take this brother Benjamin, lock me up instead. So you see there's all this repentance and there's changing that's going on in the brothers. And eventually Joseph then reveals himself. This was all part of God's plan. Absolutely God is part part of God's plan. It was a dream for Joseph's life and God was engineering things behind the scene. And if you read, there's a very famous verse in Genesis chapter 50 
where the brothers after the father die, they come to Joseph and they're worried because now their father's no longer around. They're wondering, is Joseph now going to bring revenge on us? And Joseph says to them, that which you meant for evil, God meant for good and has brought about the salvation of many people. That was the plan. God brought about His plan. Whatever's happening in your life, you might think, what is going on right now? You might be living in the season of reversal. You might have had the revelation. You might have had the reversal. You might be living in the refinement and you might even be in a place where some of it's beginning to be revealed. In fact, I've looked back over my life and I've talked to other Christians and that cycle seems to go round where there is a revelation. There is a revealing. There is a reversal. There is a refining. And then there's the revealing, uh, the outward showing or the accomplishment of the dream. God has a dream and a plan for every person in this room. I'm absolutely convinced of that. You're not saved for no purpose. Salvation is no small thing. Salvation is a big thing. God's got a plan and a purpose for every person in this room. And, you know, over time, if you spend time with God in prayer in the secret place and you get there with your Bible and your notebook, God is going to show you things and He's going to breathe things into your spirit and He's going to reveal things to you. There's young guys here. I see some of you young guys and you're so brilliant with computing. You're so tech smart. And, you know, I I look at you and I think, what is God going to do with these guys? Because the world is at their fingertips. You know, I was talking to my son recently. He's 28 and we're talking about Billy Graham who passed away about two years ago. Billy Graham preached the gospel to over 200 million people in his lifetime. And I said to my son, you know, we're talking about that and I said, you know, Russell Evans, Planet Shakers Church is now being watched by over a million people every week, which is pretty amazing. And my son says to me, Dad, that's nothing. Justin Bieber talks to 150 million people every day. (laughs) Now, you you might think that's funny, but I saw a video of Justin Bieber the other day. I don't know if you've seen it. You can look it up. And he's talking about his Christian faith and the decision he'd made. And then he talked about how that he's now in a church where they've really discipled him. And he's talking about laying his life down, taking up the cross of Jesus, understanding the full measure of the gospel and its claim on his life. He's using language that is like Billy Graham language, which is pretty powerful. And my son opened my eyes to say, Dad, you know, that's pretty amazing what Billy Graham did. That's pretty amazing what Russell Evans is doing. And it is amazing. But there's a whole generation. There's a whole generation and some of them could be in this room where you begin to touch millions of people every day. Every day of your life. There's 7 billion people on the planet. At one stage, we would have thought, how are we going to reach all of those people? It's not that far away. It's only fingertips away and a screen away for some of these people now to hear the gospel, to be able to hear the message that is so important. Jesus said, before I return, the gospel shall be preached to 
all the nations. It's now possible in our lifetime. And God can raise up people here in this room to touch the nations. A team of people. It might not be one person. There might be one or two people, three people standing in front of a camera and their face being on a screen. But there will be a whole lot of other people behind the scenes making it happen. Sharing as a team. Team. T-E-A-M. Together, everyone achieves more. (laughs) I'll throw that one in for free tonight. <laughs> we could be reaching the nations. We, we had a prophetic word about that. I got excited. I started crying. We could reach the nations. God's got a dream for our church. God's got a dream for you. God's got a dream for us. God's got a dream for Clemsic, all the surrounding suburbs. God has got a dream for the city of Adelaide. God has got a dream for the nation of Australia. God's got a dream for the nations. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms, Ask of me and I will give to you the nations. At one stage we would have thought, how is that possible? Well, now it's very possible. Very possible. And we could be a part of that great dream. It's time for us to say, God, here am I. I have my own little dreams of things I want to see happen in my life, things I want to do. But God, I want to be surrendered to the greater dream that you have for us as a corporate body. I want to be surrendered to working together with other people to see the nations touched, seeing people born again, seeing disciples being made. There are people in this room that God is going to use to touch the nations. I'm absolutely convinced of it. I feel it in my spirit. I don't know what that looks like or who you are, but you know, some of you have sat in your room and you've sat on your bed, you've laid there at night and you've thought about a whole lot of incredible things. You're just going like, wow, if I could do that, we could do this and I could do that and I could do this and we could be touching thousands. You could be touching hundreds of thousands. You could be touching millions. That dream could be very well from God. It's not just an imagination. And you need to write those things down. You need to say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Could I touch the nations? Amen? (laughs) And you need someone to organise you in the process. (laughs) But we could, couldn't we? God's got a dream for us. God's got a dream for Hope Church. God's got a dream for the nations. God's got a dream that He wants us to be a part of. He's just looking for willing, willing hearts. You know, I, uh, I want to finish with this story. I was pastoring a church here in Adelaide at Ridgehaven. I was a senior pastor there and just church is normal. Church is normal. And I decided that every day of the week there was another pastor. He ran a program called Healing Rooms. And he was using our building for this program. In fact, I encouraged him to do that and helped him set it up. But I said to him, why don't we just begin to pray every day? So we used to meet every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for an hour. And we used to pray every morning. We began to pray. And we began to see a shift in our church. And in fact, God dropped something in my heart and said, I'm going to give you 20 new people every month. Just, as, just out of the blue. And our church just began to grow. People came to visiting. People started getting saved. You know, we had baptismal service. We had, but it was like we added 20 new people every month to our church. It just kept growing. It just kept growing. And then what happened was we, um, 
through the healing rooms, which was pretty amazing, people began to have amazing healings. Just we documented them all too. I said to him, I said, if you're going to stand up in church and give a testimony about a healing, can we have it documented? Can we have it uh, authenticated? So we would have those. We had, you know, before and after x-rays, before and after tests, all that stuff. And there was amazing healings that happened during that time. And then it came, we had a weekend where we had a healing weekend. And I want, to show, I want to tell you something. It all began when we just began to pray and meet for one hour a day. All right. Then we moved into January, got there, and I really felt God say to me, have 21 days of prayer and fasting for supernatural breakthrough. 21 days. Encourage your people into church to fast things, to give up things. So, you know, we had people giving up chocolate. <laughs> big sacrifice for some people. Some people probably eat a bar of chocolate a day. They're probably having withdrawal systems. People gave up TV. Some people actually fasted and prayed for the 21 days and just did water. Some did like the Daniel fast and just did fruit and vegetables. Anyway, we prayed and fasted for 21 days. Supernatural things began to happen. It was like we were the observers of what God was now doing. It was like we had been having church, but now we'd moved into this place of the supernatural. And it was absolutely unbelievable. There was a lady in our church. She uh, had a child when she was a young woman and she gave that child up for adoption, a little boy. She'd never seen that child. She had dreamed about that child, wondered about that child, thought, I've got no idea where he was. She was unable to ever trace him. She tried that. Anyway, during that 21 days of prayer and fasting for supernatural breakthrough, she gets a phone call and it's her son. She hasn't seen him for 38 years. Supernatural miracles. We had other people healed. Our church at that stage, we had financial pressures like you wouldn't believe. We, we had actually filled our building, but we needed more money, but we didn't have enough cash flow because we needed to extend our car park because in the Tea Tree Gully region, for every seat you have in your church, you've got to have one, uh, for every three seats, you have to have one car park. So we had to have a hundred car parks. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for Clemsic. <laughs> But that's Tea Tree Gully Council. But we also needed the money. And during that 21 days of prayer for supernatural breakthrough, we began to really press into God. And out of the blue, I get a phone call. Someone rings me from the AOG Financial Services and says, you know, we blah, 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 conversation, won't give you all the conversation. But the bottom line is, he said, I think we can get you some approval. We ended up getting a loan, which was double the size of the loan we were on. We were locked into this contract at a very high interest rate. We got a much hugely reduced interest rate, actually. So we actually had double the money and less payments. It was just like it all happened that week. People said there were things in my life that I was believing for, for God to do that I never thought he would be able to do. But I've had this dream that that would happen. I had a dream I'd see my son after, you know, that I have never seen. There were other people believing for things to happen with their children, with their young adults, with their youth. And during that 21 days, something happened. That sort of went on. And then we had a healing weekend in March and we saw some amazing, miraculous, supernatural healings. I'm telling you all of that for this reason. What we begin here, what we begin here is going to grow. And as we go to here, 
God's going to bring about the answers to all those prayers. God is more interested in giving us supernatural visitation and revival than we are. I'm absolutely convinced of this. I believe this. If you come to a meeting and you've got expectation and the Holy Spirit comes to a meeting and He's got expectations, something supernatural is going to happen. I'm absolutely convinced of it. I've seen it. I've lived it. I've watched it. I've seen people healed. Unbelievable healings. Um, deaf ears open. I've never seen deaf ears properly open, but on that March long weekend, we saw deaf ears opened. People that were completely deaf, healed and hearing. And not like minimally or just hearing, but I mean really hearing like you just see their eyes like what's going on? I can now hear the world. Unbelievable. It all starts with a people that have a dream. It all starts with a people that have a dream, that want to see a God move supernaturally. And over time, as we sow in, we sow in, we sow in, we are going to reap. I believe we're on the brink of something here. God is already moving in our church. You can sense it and feel it. You know, blind Freddie can see that God wants to do something supernatural in our midst. He really does. Why don't we all stand to our feet just for a minute? We're going to come around a time of prayer. We can have our musicians back. And Pastor Brendan and Helen are going to come. And we're going to minister to people tonight and we're going to pray. And we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom here this evening just to touch people and to minister to people because I really sense and believe He wants to do that. First of all, I believe there's people here and your dream has died. Inside you've gone, you know, I used to believe that my life would be like this once, but everything's gone wrong or gone into reverse or changed. My circumstances have changed. I want to say to you again, to you tonight, begin to believe and dream again. Rekindle the dream. I've had that happen in my life where everything went in reverse. Everything went in the wrong direction. God turned it all around. Turned it all around. Took time, but He did it. And He'll do the same for you. God wants to rekindle and renew some of the dreams you have in your heart. Some of you too have just said, oh, it's too hard. It's never going to happen. It's impossible. I don't see how the dream I have could ever take place. I want you tonight to say, God, I believe you by faith that it is possible. It is possible. It is possible. God responds to faith. So if you, you know, if you this evening felt like, God, you can't do this, I want to encourage you to renew your faith and go, no, God, with you it is possible. All things are possible to them that believe, the Scripture says. I believe God wants to reignite your dream, refire your dream, refine your dream. God wants to speak to you afresh. Some of you too in this room, you've got a dream and you've wondered about it. And what God is saying to you tonight is this, It's time to get that piece of paper and just screw it up and draw a new dream that's bigger. Dream bigger. You're dreaming too small. God's got a bigger plan and a bigger dream for you.